Hello, this is Lafayette Faust, creator of the Nevermore Hollows podcast. Thank you for making the show a success. Please take a moment to subscribe, give five stars, comment, and share the show with your friends. It's the best way to help us grow and to be able to continue to provide quality horror content. Also, please support our new art director, Chris Madman Goins, at Black Sheep Studios TN on Instagram. He has some amazing Nevermore Hollows art for sale, signed by the both of us, as well as many other original pieces I think you're going to love. Now, for you horror hounds who like to have a good laugh, I invite you to check out my other podcast. It's called The Three Uncool Cats. In it, my two friends and I sit in a basement and discuss music, movies, and whatever else comes into our warped minds. I would really appreciate it if you would give it a listen. Now, with that out of the way, I invite you to sit back, turn on a light, and prepare yourself. Tatsuo Ito was a kind man who loved his flower garden and Junji, his cat. He swore Junji was sentient and could not only understand him when he spoke in English or Japanese, but could also read in both languages as well. He couldn't prove that Junji was capable of higher thought or the ability to read, but more than once he had caught the cat sitting on the floor, intently staring at a book or magazine splayed open before him in the sunlight. Junji especially seemed to enjoy one old book of haiku. Tatsuo had many times put the book on the shelf only to return to the room a while later and see it lying open on the floor, Junji sitting on his haunches staring down at one poem or another. Tatsuo's wife died a couple of years ago, and he sold the successful coffee shop they had founded together and retired to a life of solitude. However, being a man of action... He became restless and eventually found that he had a knack for gardening, which eventually grew into a passion. A widower at only 55, he filled his days in his garden or in the small wood shop he had built at the back of the property. He occasionally paid one of the kids from the neighborhood to help him with various tasks. He deeply enjoyed his time with the kids, and it was clear that they loved being around him too. It was this understanding that he was trusted and respected by the neighborhood kids and their families that caused him so much disappointment as he stood on the deck that overlooked his backyard and took in the damage to his beloved Japanese flower garden. His dahlias were trampled. His colorful tulips hung limp on broken stems. The bonsai trees that he had so meticulously pruned were lying on the ground after their pots had been smashed. Junji meowed as if in commiseration beside him. Tatsuo glanced down and saw the clear empathy in the cat's eyes. I can't believe anyone would do this to my garden. Junji squinted his eyes and gave a low meow, as if to say he too was upset. I can't see an adult doing this. It has to have been some kids thinking this was a funny prank. 
Tatsuo sighed and stepped off the low deck onto the wooden path that meandered through his Japanese garden and around his koi pond. This will take all day to set right, he said. Junji replied with a knowing grumble and followed Tatsuo as he lovingly lifted the dahlias, pruned the tulips, and repotted the bonsai trees. The sun had sunk low in the west, casting long shadows across the property when Tatsuo decided to call it a day. He took a shower, made supper, and sat on the couch and read a book until he fell asleep. He was startled awake just after midnight when Junji gave a loud hiss and pawed angrily at the French doors that looked out onto the backyard. Tatsuo sat up, groggy from the sleep, and focused on Junji. The cat's eyes were narrow, his fangs bared. He swatted at the glass door. What is it, Junji? The cat shot him a quick glance and swatted the door again. He turned his attention to whatever he saw beyond it and gave a low, angry growl. Tatsuo stood just as there was a loud crash in the backyard. It was followed by laughter. Those kids are back and making a mess, he said. Junji stared out into the night and hissed. Tatsuo stepped beside Junji and looked out the window. The only light on in the house was a small lamp beside the couch that he had used while reading. It cast a feeble glow only a few feet out onto the deck. The night sky was hidden behind a dark blanket of clouds, allowing no moonlight to shine into the garden. It was as if Tatsuo glanced into a black abyss. I can't see anything, he said to Junji, knowing that cats had the extra ability to see on a spectrum different than that of humans. Is it the kids? Just then, something pale and filthy loped across the deck, just beyond the lamplight, and threw a shovel against the French doors, causing Tatsuo to jump. Junji flinched and screeched in anger. Okay, Tatsuo said. I've had enough of this. He stepped into the kitchen and retrieved a flashlight he kept next to the pantry. He had never felt the need to install floodlights in his backyard because his neighbors were genuine and kind, and there was no real crime to speak of in this tiny little town. The times have changed, he thought. No longer does anyone respect the property and privacy of others. As he stepped back into the living room, he heard another crash, followed by more laughter. It sounded as if there were more than one kid wreaking havoc in his garden. He opened the door and stepped out onto the deck and switched on the flashlight. The bright beam sliced through the night, illuminating broken pots, trampled flowers, and garden tools thrown about. One of the wooden slats on the pergola covering his koi pond was broken. He heard movement and laughter directly in front of him toward the back of his property, and he turned the light in that direction. What he saw startled him. Two young boys were scrambling over his back fence. They were gone too quickly for him to get any real details. But a third child, a girl stood facing the fence, seeming to wait her turn to climb. Hey, he shouted, stop right there. We need to talk about what you and your friends have done to my garden. 
The girl was wearing an antique dress like what you would see on an old-fashioned doll. She had knee-high socks and her hair was pulled into pigtails. She didn't react to his challenge. She just stood with her back to him in the wash of the flashlight. I won't hurt you, he called, but we do need to talk about why you and your friends have done this, he said. I need you to turn around so we can speak. The girl just stood with her back to him. As Tatsuai's eyes adjusted, he was able to make out some details about the little girl that disturbed him. Her hair was disheveled and was matted with dirt and bits of broken leaves. Her ponytails were twisted and uneven and cast devil horn shadows on the fence. Her dress and socks were stained and she was not wearing shoes. She stood, unflinching in his spotlight, her back to him. As he looked at the girl, he knew he should feel concern for her, considering the state that she seemed to be in, but all he could feel was an unsettling in the pit of his stomach and a cold chill scurrying its way up his spine. Little girl, are you okay? He took a cautious step further out onto the deck. He looked down and noticed that Junji was at his side. The cat was flicking its tail nervously back and forth. He was tense and seemed prepared to attack the young girl. Tatsuo looked back up and fixed his gaze on the girl. Turn around and let's talk. Do you need any help? The girl seemed to take a long, deep breath as she stood in the center of the circle of light. She let it out in a long sigh and slowly turned her head to look over her shoulder at him. Her hair fell over her face, completely covering her eyes. A wide gash of a smile cut across her face. The play of light and shadows made it seem as if her mouth was twice the size it should be and had way too many teeth. She let out a deep giggle. We'll be back, she croaked. The depth of her voice turned his blood cold and caused Junji to pull back and give a terrified hiss. Then, in a flurry of filthy dress and matted hair, she pounced, monkey-like, onto the fence and scrambled over into the dark field beyond his property. Tatsuo noticed that the light flickered due to the shaking of his hands. He replayed in his mind the way the girl's body seemed to move faster than humanly possible when she scampered over the fence. Her unnatural smile and the unmistakably masculine tone to her voice disturbed him even now after she was long gone. How did she do that? Tatsuo was not a man accustomed to fear. He had been a soldier as a young man, and had studied various martial arts since he was a boy, and had to call upon those skills a few times in his life to protect himself. But the incident with the little girl was so surreal that he felt off, disoriented, as if he had just met with something 
abnormal. Come on, Junji, he said quickly and stepped back into the house. He closed the French doors behind him and locked them. Junji sat at the doors, looking out into the yard as if standing post. Tatsuo took a seat on the couch and calmed himself. That little girl was just wearing a costume, he said. All three of them were. Junji glanced at him, then turned his attention back to the dark yard. And she made her voice sound like that with technology of some sort. Like a phone app. I've seen it done. They weren't only trying to vandalize, they were trying to scare. Junji slowly turned to look at Tatsuo. His eyes were wide as if to say, Whatever you need to tell yourself to go to sleep, old man. What? Tatsuo said to Junji. I've seen what people are able to do nowadays with cosplay and such. Junji held his gaze for a moment longer in defiance of Tatsuo's rationale. Then, he glanced back into the yard and seemed to decide that they were safe. He sauntered over and up onto the couch. He curled up on a throw pillow and yawned. Tatsuo shook his head. No way I'm getting any sleep tonight. Those kids need to be prosecuted, he said. In the morning, I'll buy us a security system and install it. That way, when they return, I'll have a video that I can give to the police. Now that he had convinced himself that the kids were vandals in cosplay, he leaned back onto the couch and closed his eyes. He was surprised to find that within 30 minutes he was sleepy. He stretched out onto the couch, careful not to disturb Junji, and fell into a surprisingly deep sleep. He was up early the next morning. He had toast and coffee and headed off to the hardware store to pick up a motion-activated floodlight and a three-camera security system. He was finished installing the cameras by lunch. He had one camera over the back door above the deck looking straight into the backyard and one camera on each side of the house. They were also pointed into the backyard, giving him three different angles with which he could get as much detail about the kids as possible, even if they were in costumes. He wanted to make sure he could give the police everything they needed to identify the kids and put a stop to their vandalism. He had a quick lunch and then installed the motion-activated floodlight. He was completely done by two o'clock and spent the rest of the day putting his garden back in order. Junji was accustomed to spending his days doing whatever curiously intelligent cats did to fill their days. However, he stayed on the property all day within sight of Tatsuo, as if he were a guard on patrol. As the sun began to set, Tatsuo and Junji went inside and locked the doors. Tatsuo took a shower and then sat on the couch and booted up his laptop. He called up the program for the security system and began recording. The cameras were not vision capable and he made sure to activate that function. After he ate supper, he put on Miles Davis's Kind of Blue and sat on the couch reading a book. Junji prowled around the house, going room to room, and finally, at around 11 p.m., curled in front of the French doors.
Do you think they are bold enough to return again tonight? Tatsuo asked. His laptop was sitting on the coffee table. He opened the security program so he could keep an eye on the backyard. Junji cast him a sideways glance and meowed as if to say, Who knows? At midnight, Tatsuo turned off the music and decided to read a little longer in the quiet. He had his laptop positioned in such a way that he would be able to see any movement from the corner of his eye as he read. He also knew that Junji was on watch and would alert him if the kids returned. At 12.26, he caught movement on one of the cameras. It was the one over the deck looking straight back into the yard. The three video feeds were arranged side by side on the computer screen. The middle feed was the one over the deck. All three took any ambient light and magnified it. The result was that the backyard and its garden was awash in an eerie green glow, like the phantom light from some ghostly realm. While the technology did a lot to illuminate the yard, it couldn't completely rid the scene of all darkness. There were still deep pools of inky black that clung to the edges of the garden shed and at the farthest corners of the property. He sat his book aside and positioned himself in front of the computer. He could just make out shadowy movement in the dark recesses of his property behind the garden shed. At first, he thought that it might be raccoons. Those pesky little animals were always roaming around his garden at night. However, after a moment, three small forms crept out of the inky shadows into the eerie green glow of the night vision cameras. Junji raised his head and looked out the door. He stood, taking a wide stance, lowered his head, and let out a low growl. A chill ran through Tatsuo. I see them. The video showed the three children, each no more than ten years old, round the back of the shed and make their way toward the back door. One of the children was a boy wearing torn pants and shirt, and he walked upright, though his head was tilted to one side at an unnatural angle, as if his neck were broken. The video was clear enough to see that he was smiling. The little girl from the night before led the way. She was wearing that white antique dress smeared in big dark stains. She tiptoed toward the house, slightly hunched over, eagerly rubbing her hands together and licking her lips as if in anticipation of a treat to come. The third child was another boy. He wore only a pair of shorts and crawled on all fours, his head tilted toward the ground. The children crept closer to the house. When they got within ten feet of the back deck, the motion-sensitive light was activated, clearly illuminating the children. The girl looked up directly at the camera. And Tatsuo said, Oh my lord. Junji arched his back and hissed, his fur bristling. At first it appeared that the children's eyes had been removed. 
leaving only dark holes. Tatsuo felt his skin prickle into icy goosebumps. He leaned in and realized that they did in fact have eyes, but that they were completely black. In fact, they were so black that they didn't reflect even a twinkle of the security light that shone down on them. Tatsuo shook his head in disbelief. The thought flashed through his mind that the kids were wearing contacts that completely covered their eyes to add to their disturbing costumes. But with the supernatural chill that permeated him, he knew that was not the answer. Somehow, these children's eyes were as black as demon blood. How can this be? Junji glanced up at him and gave a low growl. Tatsuo maneuvered the mouse to use the zoom function on the camera. He looked at the dark brown stains on the girl's dress. Blood, he said aloud. Dried blood. Junji growled his apparent agreement. The girl in the dress and the boy with the broken neck stepped up on the deck. The crawling boy climbed onto the deck behind them and sat on his haunches like an animal. Together they stood motionless for almost three full minutes. They didn't look around or at each other. They stared silently, expectantly at the French doors. Tatsuo could see that the girl's lips were moving. He had bought this particular security system because it also recorded audio. He glanced down and saw that he had his speakers muted. He tapped the button on the keyboard and activated the audio. He adjusted the volume until he could hear what the little girl was saying. Please, sir, let us in. We are hungry. Please, sir, let us in. We are hungry. The girl repeated this phrase over and over. The harsh security light shone down on them, revealing disturbing details. Upon closer inspection, the stains on the girl's dress appeared to be a mixture of blood and mud. As if she had just crawled from a grave, Broken Neck Boy had dark bruises on the exposed part of his neck, the crawling boy appeared to have at least a dozen bite marks on his torso. Those injuries could not be faked. Tatsuo now accepted that these kids were not wearing disturbing costumes. What he was looking at was real. This is horrible. Just then, the girl reached out and slowly knocked on the door. She paused a heartbeat and knocked again. A minute went by and she knocked a third time. As they waited, the children looked down at their feet. Please, sir, let us in. We are hungry. Tatsuo snatched his cell phone and prepared to call the police. However, his phone was completely dead, though it had a full charge only moments ago. There was no doubt in his mind that these children had somehow made it impossible for him to call for help. 
He shot up from the couch and bolted to the front door, attempting to run next door and ask his neighbors for help. But the knob would not turn. It was as if the knob were welded in place. He attempted to open a window. It was stuck. He grabbed a statuette off the table and tried to break the window. It was as if the glass were shatterproof. He could hear the girl knocking on the door every few heartbeats. Slowly, deliberately, relentlessly. Please, sir, let us in. We're hungry. He closed his eyes and took a breath to steady his racing heart. After a moment, he accepted the inevitable. He had to open the door and confront these children with the black eyes. He was terrified. He didn't know why they had chosen to come to him to torment him, he only knew that their intent was evil. Growing up, his grandfather had told him stories of the various paranormal entities that haunted the Japanese countryside. In almost every case, the ghosts and monsters had a weakness that could be exploited. With that thought, he instinctively knew that if he did not confront them, find their weakness, and somehow put a stop to this, they would haunt him every night. There was another knock. Please, sir, Tatsuo steeled himself and stepped over to the French doors. He hesitated for a moment and reminded himself that his great-great-grandfather was in fact a samurai. His own father had fought in two wars. He came from a line of brave men who rose above their fears and became heroes. He twisted the knob and opened the door. He kept his voice calm, deep, commanding. What do you want? The children continued to look down at their feet. The girl said, Please, sir, will you let us in? We are hungry. Tatsuo paused before answering his mind racing. It's late. You children should be at home. Where are your parents? Go away from here. You're not welcome. The girl replied. Please, sir. Will you let us in? We are Is that blood? Mr. Ito asked. Are you injured? Just then, all three children looked up from their feet toward Tatsuo, giving him a better look at their oil-black eyes. It was as if each black socket were tiny graves. What is this? Tatsuo said. He was deeply disturbed, but he forced his voice to remain commanding. You are not welcome here, evil spirits. Be gone with you. The boy with the bite marks lunged toward him, grabbed his arm, and pulled him from the house onto the deck. The boy with the broken neck grabbed at his shirt. The girl grabbed a handful of his hair and sunk her teeth into his shoulder, causing him to cry out as white-hot pain shot down his arm and up his neck. The three of them attempted to pull Tatsuo to the ground. Tatsuo sprang into action. With his right hand, he grabbed the girl's wrist and twisted, forcing her to let go of his hair. 
At the same time, he made a circular motion with his left hand and broke the hold of the smallest boy, the boy with the bites on his torso. He then turned and slammed his right elbow into the face of the broken neck boy, forcing him to let go of his shirt. The children were relentless and continued to scratch and claw at Tatsuo. Junji let out a loud hiss and sprang into action. He leaped onto the broken neck boy's shoulders and began clawing and biting. With Junji's help, Tatsuo got free from the black-eyed children's grasping hands. As he stepped back, the girl again lunged forward, clawing at his eyes. He stepped to the side, smacked her hard in the temple, dropping her to the ground. He pivoted, using the momentum to ram his elbow into the crawling boy's jaw, dropping him to the ground. He turned to the boy with a broken neck, who was struggling with Junji, and punched him in the throat, also dropping him. Junji jumped free and positioned himself between Tatsuo and the children. Tatsuo quickly stepped over to a wooden chest sitting on the edge of the deck. He opened it and grabbed some rope that he kept there, intending to tie the children up and figure out a way to break their spell so he could call the police. He knew that there was no way anyone would believe his story without proof. However, as he rummaged for the rope, the children scrambled to their feet and loped off across the backyard into the dark night. He heard them scramble over the wooden fence and out into the field behind his property. His shoulder ached from where the girl bit him. He was covered in dozens of seeping scratches, and he was lightheaded. He felt on the verge of passing out. He turned to step up on the deck and stumbled, not quite falling. He leaned against the door for a moment, then stepped inside. His head was pounding, and he was short of breath his vision darkening at the edges. He stumbled over to the coffee table and grabbed his phone. He realized that the phone was completely charged and functional now that the children were gone. He attempted to call for an ambulance, but before he could finish, he dropped to his knees and the phone bounced across the wooden floor. He grabbed at his throbbing shoulder. He rocked back and forth, moaning with intense pain, and then fell face first onto the floor. He rolled over onto his back and began to shake as if in an epileptic fit. Thick strands of drool poured from the corners of his mouth and ran down the sides of his face. Then he became still. After a while, he regained consciousness and slowly sat up. He rubbed his aching shoulder. His vision was fuzzy. His skin itched as if he were covered in a million tiny skittering bugs. He looked over at Junji, who was sitting on the coffee table, watching over him while he was unconscious. A burst of love for the cat shot through him. Tatuo had known his feline friend for a long time, and he could read the concern in his furry face. The itching throughout his body intensified. Suddenly, Tatuo had a disturbing thought. It's inside me. It's inside me. Oh, Lord, no, it's inside me. He jumped up and ran down the hallway to the bathroom. Another thought clawed at his mind. I need, I need, I need. He stepped into the bathroom and slapped at the light switch and the bulbs over the sink blinked on. He leaned in toward the mirror to look at his shoulder where the girl had bitten him. But before he could, he was shocked to see his reflection in the mirror. His heart sank 
A sick hopelessness squirmed deep in his soul. I need. I need. I need. He leaned closer toward the mirror and looked at his eyes. They had turned completely black. Upon seeing his crypt black eyes, he felt a fundamental change in his spirit. He realized that he was no longer completely Tatsuo Ito. He was something aberrant. I need. I need. I need. He pushed himself back from the sink and stepped out of the bathroom. Junji stood in the living room looking down the hall at Tatsuo, clear distrust on his feline face. Tatsuo brought his black, soulless eyes to bear on his beloved and faithful cat and said, Here, kitty. Will you let me hold you? I'm hungry.